0: Welcome to The Grinders Table, the podcast where we sit with C-suite executives and founders who are taking their industry by storm to figure out how you can build an exceptional career and business. Together, we'll try to uncover how they have both defined the odds and what you can learn from their experience. Okay. All right. Hi, everyone. Um, Welcome to another week of The Grinders Table. I'm really excited to have the guests that we have on the podcast today. In my usual fashion, I don't like introducing people. I I like people introducing themselves. So
1: Bola, over to you. Uh, Thank you very much, um, Uem. Thanks for having me. It's uh, great. uh, It's always great to be able to tell one story. because I'm 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 a proponent of always sharing your story, telling people how uh you are, telling you telling people more about your what and your whys. So I'm Boila while. I'm co-founder CEO of Scholar X. Um I jumped into startup startup in, <laughs> like the cool people will say now, until uh, 2016 when we had this bright idea to build a scholarship platform that'll help millions of people get access to scholarships and study abroad so we thought and uh, but but over the years um the, the journey you know building an edtech brand uh, a tech name that's well recognized has been very difficult but fulfilling and rewarding uh, even to the present day, what we are building now uh, under the X umbrella called learn people get access to quality skills digital vocational skills
0: so Bola, one of the things you you mentioned um had to do with the non-glamorous side of entrepreneuring, right? And or startuping, and that's something that people don't necessarily like to talk about. Would you like to share some of the challenges or difficulties you experienced while scaling Scholar X or Sorry, I'm just going right into the hard part.
1: No, that's that's fine. That's fine. Um the 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 three most important letters that form a word in startup to me especially from where we are from is pmf product market fit see you can spend all the money you want you can have all the projections you want if people aren't using what you say you're building or you've built one using it Using it enough and using it at the largest scale, <clears throat> excuse me. Then you you've 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 essentially re- walked into a roadblock or a brick wall. <clears throat> so that has always been the challenge, particularly for our sector in edtech. Product market fit is ridiculously hard. I was just still talking about how the the most ideal way to build in edtech is. I call it precision building. You build, you measure. You build, you measure. You build, you measure. Um, a lot of that whole move fast, break things stuff, a lot of those things really work from EdTech, particularly EdTech in Africa. Because uh, the other thing, yeah, for you to be considered a business, you have to have a, business, a viable business model that people will be willing to pay XYZ for something. And if not people, somebody needs to pay. I know. Is it a big, a large organization that will pay pay on behalf of their employees, pay on behalf of their beneficiaries? Is it the government that will have to pay on behalf of their constituents, or are there other models that you can introduce? So, product market fit, particularly your models for having for, for generating revenue, uh, those things are extremely difficult uh, to, to sort out, and and that's why you see a lot of um education and health uh, products or, or solutions or interventions attract a lot of grant funding. The reason is because you need a lot of non-dilative funds to be almost you're doing your R&D and you're testing things out and you're um, trying to push things out there. So so that you're able to get those funds you would do that because investors that are looking for returns on their money maybe apprehensive because the when they evaluate you, they think about, can this thing generate funds, uh, generate revenue, how fast can they generate revenue? What are the multiples in how many years? So once they evaluate you based on those criteria, it's very difficult for you to pass that checklist, to be honest with you. So the hardest part, you know, has always been getting enough for all to be able to, you know, um, get our thesis or hypothesis right that, okay, this is what we say we're going to do. You know, This is what it's supposed to do. This is what's supposed to push out, and this is what's supposed to do. So the output and the outcome question you know, when you're talking about uh, air tech. So it's been, so that whole thing about you know whatever you're doing, working, and you know, working right for the market and being able to attract funds or fuel to be able to grow those things are extremely hard and huge challenge, you know, with us, with starting, Um, we've we've been around for 2016. And I feel like 2021 was when, when we made the product pivot, was when we really got the PMF and we are still even iterating as we speak.
0: Interesting, interesting perspective. Um, As people, build and scale products and, and teams and companies, um, they're often tied to the vision of the founder. Mm. But we tend to see that your vision kind of fine-tunes over time, especially when you begin to figure out your product market fits and, and, and all that. For you, what, what's your vision for Scholar X, And how, how, does it, how has that changed as you've also started building
1: Lennam? Mm. All right. So the, the broad vision, I don't think has changed. But it's broad for a reason, right? You know, when people speak in broad terms, they like, can you be a little bit specific? Like, if I say, oh, I want everybody in, in the world to be rich, that's my, you know, how exactly you can do that? So our vision has always been about access to quality education for pretty much everyone. But then you hear, that almost sounds like what a politician would say, oh, free water, free education, free this, free that. <laughs> and all of that, right? So the premise is, the. I like to use the word premise more than vision, it will be nice to get, a lot of people get access to quality education, particularly now access to skills. But what are really, really zeroing in on, zeroing in on the fact that by 2030, by 2030, 230 million jobs in Africa, will require some sort of of digital skills. So meaning that most of the jobs that will be out there by 2030, you have to be able to, at the minimum, operate a a smartphone or get online and do something, you know, do some sort of task. Currently, we only have 26% uh, internet penetration in Africa. So roughly, because there are no percentages with human beings, but roughly three out of 10 people can get online. And then if we think about the demands of the future, how do people meet that? So I'll, what we zero down is that we need to get as many Africans access to quality and tangible skills. We want you to be able to pick up a phone, pick up a laptop, and be able to do something online that, that, that can bring in economic value, economic return to you. That's the, that's the vision that we are honing down in. The larger vision has always been access to quality education, but when we are honed down, one people, our theory of change is if you train one person, they have skills, um, then they are able to get a good job, and they're able to take care of their family. And if you impact one person like that, you are impacting five people. So our vision has evolved to, to that, and we have to do all of that by running a, a, a profitable, viable business that's scalable. <laughs> so that's what the vision looks like now. Yeah, quite quite, quite
0: an interesting way you've, you've described this, but let, let's take a step back to the origin story for those of you that like movies. Um, yeah. Where did this all start? Um, What did you study in your undergrad? Um, Did that influence where you are now in terms of the companies you've built or your interest or your passion?
1: So um, the origin story can start without the origin itself. Um, I I was born in the U.S. My parents, like a lot of people now now, uh, studied abroad. They came to the U.S. to study. Uh and then um right after I was born about two years after we moved back to Nigeria and they started working in the federal in the state civil service um independently. And um so I grew up in Nigeria, I grew up in Lagos, grew up in Suleri. Uh Suleri is a huge part of my heritage. Um and you know, growing up, I just always, you know, wanted to have a good time within really the community and, and make friends and all of that went to secondary school and boarding house lacoste amola college and um but you know initially i wanted to be a doctor then the junior uh result came out and i didn't do as well in math i think and principal I was I, you know you know how we do long holidays in school um i'd been in science class all through and then when i got to school i bought all science books and principal say oh no she has to go to commercial class uh, and now I'm just thinking, I'll probably have been the worst doctor in the world <laughs> if I had made it through med school. Anyways, but um, so started you know, getting, gravitating towards econo- economics and I wanted to study economics in university. Well, I didn't get admission because I only wanted to go to Unilag. I was at home for about four years, three and a half, almost four. Then, you know, my mom said, oh, you remember you're a your U.S. citizen. Maybe it's time for you to go back. <laughs> And so we renewed my passport, and I came back. And the folks that I stayed with when I landed, they asked me, oh, so what do you want to study in university? Typical Nigerian um, folks, when you move here. I said, oh, yeah, um, economics. They're like, ah, economics. You're see Waco. <laughs> I was like, oh, really? <laughs> so I was like, OK, yeah, you know what? Accounting is OK. At least every company needs an accountant. Uh, um, so I was like, okay, cool, I'll do accounting. Because a lot of things in my life don't really happen with set plans. It just happens as circumstantial uh, things like that. So, you know, started community college, studied accounting. Uh, yeah, I thought I was a decent student. Um, so, so I learned in the university there's a difference between pure uh, brilliance, pure intellect, and, and hard work while I may feel like I'm a bright guy and everything, if you don't put in the work, you're not gonna get really good grades. (laughs) And so I struggled a little bit because sometimes partying was a little bit more fun than studying, studying a bit. Then unfortunately too, while I was in, I think my third year at university, I I, uh, got really, really sick. I um, actually got diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma, which is the form of blood cancer uh that, that's kind of tied to your lift lymph nodes unfortunately thing pretty much got me out of school for about a year um but but you know you know people say it's things like character beauty it was my character beauty for a moment in life spent about six months of, um, or thereabouts uh going through chemotherapy which is a really really tough thing to go through you lose your hair you get sick all the time you're nauseous all of this stuff but it was character building and one of the reasons why i'm the way i am now with the way i just lead to get my life the way i move moved through things and i'm not that faced with a lot of things to be honest with you and so um that's kind of you know my university origin story so to speak you know um my final year I ran for president for the most influential um, honor Society or accounting organization on campus in the business school. Miraculously, I won the election. Out of about 120 people in the student body, only about six, seven of us were even black. (laughs) And hey, that was my Obama moment. So I was a president. (laughs) I, I learned quite a lot of things because... Around that time, it was the economic meltdown, 2009-ish, eight nine-ish, and economic meltdown, bank, you know, bailouts and all this stuff. And um, we had a budget of twenty thousand dollars, and one we way or the other, we were able to raise the funds from corporate uh, sponsors, like we like we we're supposed to do, but it was harder because of this, this circumstance. But we were able to pull through, and through that work, uh, an oil company reached out to a faculty advisor, and he singled me out like, hey, you need to talk to this boy, he, he likes oil and gas, he's from Nigeria, um, he will be a good person to hire. And lo and behold, I was on the plane to interview and I got hired. So I started working at colin Phillips in 2010 in, in, in accounting, I supported uh, the energy trading uh, department. Uh, you know handling large 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 invoices 10 million dollar 20 million dollar invoices including some of the your faves in nigeria uh that did business with that company i, I handled some of their invoices which is a story for another day but but also um it exposed me to a lot of stuff and that's in the system that we used for those trades uh, was one of the my the things that introduced me into uh technology so um after working for the company, I left to go work for a consulting firm. The consulting firm got bought by Accenture, so essentially I was a, a, such a consultant. We're helping uh, implement a um, uh, system, um, a new system, the new system in with a company in, in Boston. So I spent did about did that for about two years on, on that project. But the key thing about that was also develop my uh, muscle memory for. Um, dealing with problems, problem solving. uh, And at the back of my mind, I've always had that thought about what can I do back home? What can I do back home? And that's where I, around 2016, early 2016, I got introduced to Maxwell from my my friend then, who happened to be my uh, best friend of my wedding, Jimmy, introduced me to Maxwell. And, you know, Maxwell had this idea about a scholarship app you know, he had collated scholarships or the spreadsheet, but it felt like he put it in an app. And then, you know, they were just looked pretty much, and to be honest, probably then they were looking for uh, a financier. But then I got on board. I liked the idea. And we literally just worked uh, on it together, putting all the work together. You know, things evolved. I became CEO of ScholarX. Maxwell evolved to become the CTO. And um, so both of us, were, um, pretty much were the staples running the company, and then later on we had Damlola uh, as as a, was started as a as an analyst, and she did very very well. Um, and we we also needed to balance the team out, so she essentially now after like a year and a half rose to become uh, the COO important thing about that is how things have evolved uh through through the years with even how the company had come together and everything and just how we we are just battle tested and we just strive and, and fight and fight and fight and fight um rejected or telling us no doesn't really work for us because we, you're gonna see us again tomorrow uh one year or the other we are just gonna keep fighting so interesting journey I think if I do say so myself uh, and I've learned a lot in in this one thing I cherish I cherish the the process and the journey of learning.
0: Yeah yeah actually very interesting story. I'm going to pick on some of the things you said Um, the first one you talked about was that character character defining moments and well, everyone um, at Melt, say most people or some people, they go through that moment. Mine was in 2021 where I literally was sick the whole year. And oh, my God, it, it gave me a new perspective on life. Right. Um, but for you, your character defining moment, what would you say were the key things that you picked out of that 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 have influenced your growth?
1: Uh, life could end. We just have flip of, of, of a switch. Um, I, I I was he- healthy, as I thought, and I was well. One day the next day, I was hospitalized for two weeks, with all sort of tests being ran and to to essentially doing a surgery to get up a mass out of my neck, and then what well, they call the biopsy, and then they say, "Oh, hey, you have cancer." Um, so so the one thing is is the certainty of things um, and not taking moment for granted, but also understanding that you have to live in the moment because it can just go away. So even with the way we build or the way we attack problems, it's like it, you have this moment, seize it, take it, don't let it go, capitalize on it because you just never know what's going to happen next. And that's really what that has um, instilled in me and helped me build, uh, that I feel like, you know, sometimes people don't know what makes me think or understand why I'm, I'm the way I am, but uh, that kind of defining moment of literally just almost going away, just from, you know, a flip of a switch, it's uh, really changed the way I operate, it, I operate and it really changed how I've been moving uh, since then. Very, very, very true, and 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 you talked about
0: how um, somebody came in as an analyst and then became the COO. Now, mm-hmm. I, I've I've had to advise founders and work with people where they they struggled with either bringing a talent from outside or actually elevating a talent from in inwards. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have insights on that?
1: So. <laughs> With startup, you realize that everything cuts both ways. A double-edged sword. Some things work. I'm not even gonna say, oh, things work differently for different people. Even within your organization, you may do something A today and get a result and it works for you and try it tomorrow and it's just just tomorrow. And it's totally, totally different. But um, we had gotten to a, a, a an inflection point because, you know, we've tried hiring some senior people, it just didn't work, the vision, all of that. Then we just said, okay, you know what, let's just get someone that can help us with our operations and let's just see how how far we can push that and maybe we'll bring in a more senior person later. And then the person came in, bought, in, bought into our vision, also had our own voice, and then we kept on moving and kept on growing and we were growing and we were like, okay, this person obviously can't remain uh the way they are they're gonna get poached they're gonna to want to leave or they're gonna want more so like the smart decision for us is to let's make this person a fixture with what we are doing because they already understand what we are doing they have a they kind of there's a vision alignment there uh, because because that's one of the issues we've had with bringing people from outside is vision alignment. You you may not necessarily think that what we're doing is good or we're doing it the right way or anything, but that vision alignment is key. It's not it's, that doesn't mean that it's groupthink, but it means that we see things at the same wavelength. Ultimately, at the bigger, largest grand scheme of things, where do we see things? So. Her coming through the ranks and seeing all aspects of the business and being through some of the journey with us, you know, even helped, but, 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 but the vision alignment was there. So I, and so another thing I also learned, and I'm not trying to knock in, it was also hostile, but I don't tend to do consult, a lot of consultants like, oh, hey, we need to build this app or this website, let's send it out to a consultant. Mm-hmm. I like to build my team, my team. And I like us to do a lot of things organically. Um, There's a reason why at X we do extensive um, an extensive internship program every year. We'll bring in like 15 interns. 15, yeah. And a lot of them are graduates, but they've just not gotten, gotten a good job or a job at all. And we bring them on board. We put them in different work streams. That was the, the same see fit, and some even cross uh, work streams and go work in other areas but then these are the folks that end up become end up become full-time uh employees because they they get in they understand what's going on and gradually we bring them up to speed and and so for us generally um organic growth within uh as work we're not that one of those companies that who oh, here yeah, because we have some money now let's go bring in all the folks yes some um, balance is required but We've also seen, because it's very important for people to have vision alignment. Um, And and just from my own um, perspective, it has worked a lot better for us when people get that, but that vision alignment sometimes is also helped through organic growth within the company when people come in and they they see progression. So if you ask me to put my feet to the fire, that's what I'll vote for um is really to bring people along internally give them an opportunity to grow um the worst thing that you know i think i'll ever do is you know see folks within the company that i think that can take some sort of leadership role and then i'd go after to bring someone in without giving them the opportunity to try it first so that's kind of my general perspective on that
0: all right, everyone, we've been listening to Bola Lawal and he has really taken us on a journey and his story and it's really been exciting and speaking with him. So Bola, as we round up, um, what, what is that one thing? Actually, yeah, what is that one advice you hear people give in the ecosystem that you think is wrong?
1: <laughs> Move fast and break things. I think it's wrong. You can fight me all you want, but I'm gonna stand on. I'll be on. Some people will say I'll, I'll be the only rotting body on the on the hill. <laughs> um, I believe in move well, move correctly. I I believe I subscribe to precision building. Do a little bit measure. Do a little bit measure the outcomes. Net net, I I think that having a reputation of having the product that's good. To me, um, trumps any kind of artificial growth that you can get from scaling real fast. We are seeing this play out. I'm not gonna name names or or, or blame anyone, but we can see this thing play out in our ecosystem. Two key fintechs. One is always known for having really good people and, and the product works well. And the other one, you know, I let that speak for itself, but I'm a long-term player and I see things long-term. So I subscribe to the whole school of thought of building correctly. You know, even a rapper Rick Ross said it, I don't want to move fast. I just want to move correctly. Yeah. (laughs) This is why you have uh, advisors surround yourself with the right people that can help you be, you know, be, you know, be in groups that, you know, iron sharpens, sharpens iron, being, being around people that will help you improve. Um, I just don't want to build for building sake. I say, Oh yeah, we have 10,000, 20, uh, 100,000 users on our learning app. And there's how many people use it weekly. And am like, Oh yeah, it's only about hundred people or how many people are paying. Like I don't want to move. Fast for fast sake. If the opportunity allows me to do that, fine. But I'm always about building the right way. That's why, like, you know, I always laugh when people will post online or in some of my groups. Well, I only have one real group, Premier Business Network. Shout out to Premier Business Network. And we will write there and say, oh, um, I, I need an, an app developer. I want to build that app. I'm like, no, you build a team. <laughs> Don't go hire someone because the amount of money you think you may be saving now—it's literally like you're throwing money in the toilet and you and you flushed it down the drain. Um, so I believe in putting systems and structures in place so you can do things the right way and correctly. Um, we, we received a grant for building Laram, and one of the most important things. I think happened was not just the grant, it was due diligence process and how we were uh, mandated to have certain processes in place. Those things has really, really helped us really shape the way um, the company is. Because, you know, I'm sure you know this, but the growth stage is probably the hardest for companies. Navigating that whole startup and the startup phase to now growing into a real company. See, that process is very hard for a lot of people. And um, and so and so, um, it, to me, I'm all about the school of thought of getting things right. Cause it's almost kind of like agile development in a way. But you do stuff, um, do stuff the right way. Do stuff in peace, measure, continue honing on things that work really well. So yeah, that that, that that's it for me.
0: Great stuff. Thank you, Bola, for spending these few minutes sharing your journey. I'm really, really excited that we got to speak to you today.
1: Thank you so much. I really, I really appreciate the opportunity to share a little bit of my story. Because if you allow me, we'll be here for for like three hours. <laughs> oh,
0: sure, sure, sure. I I figured, which is why we'll we'll talk another time. We'll get to chat another Thank time. You so <laughs> yeah, Thank, you Thank you so much. Yeah, have a great day. That's all on today's episode of The Grinders Table and thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MontiorOM. That's at Montior for me French, OM. Thanks again and I'll see you next time.